it's almost kind of like women's clothing sizes was an afterthought. They were like, oh, shit. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess we need something for the women, oh, women too. Women have bodies, too? Oh, crap. They, they wear clothes? Okay, uh, let's measure across the chest, just like we do with dudes. They have an hourglass what figure. Is... Bingo, bango, we're done. Uh, let's see. Women wear clothes. What is woman, woman? Uh, wo- boobs! Measure <laughs> the boobs. <laughs> boobs and tiny waist. Tiny right? waist. Natural tiny waist. They don't, they what don't about like... the booty? Some guy in the back says, what the butt? <laughs> I like to bitch, 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 itch. Sometimes piss me off for no Bitch, 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 even though. Guys. <laughs> Hello. Uh, How are you all doing on this fine day? Are you as awkward as Kendra and I are? It's like, hopefully better than we're doing. <laughs> this is a strong start. <laughs> strong start. We did so well last week. It's I like don't we know. talk to each other for like 15, 30 minutes before we record and we're feeling good. And then we, I don't know what happens. It's all right. We'll get there. It's only episode 10. It's only, it's freaking episode 10 i know insane (laughs) it's weird because it feels like part of me is like we've done like 50 episodes like we've been doing this for years and then there's another part of me that's like but we're just still babies i know i know i feel that way too and i don't know if it's 2020 because all of 2020 feels that way or i don't know but i I agree it feels like we've been doing this forever and also we just started yesterday I think 2020 is a valid excuse for about 85% of what's going on, how we're feeling, I, things that I are happening. agree. What are we going to do next year when we can no longer use 2020 as our excuse? Well, hopefully it doesn't venture over into 2021. I, guys, I don't know if I can handle that. <sighs> I, would, I don't know what I would do. I would say I'd cry, but that doesn't crying. that doesn't make a lot it of different crying. than 2020 because no, I feel like I've been doing not. a lot of that already. And that's okay. Yeah, crying is healthy. Doesn't, doesn't always feel good, but that's okay. But it always I don't know crying. You always feel better when you're done. Yes, like it's one of those things that it's like just a weight lifted off your shoulder. Yeah, I actually think you are the first person who like basically told me one time that I just need to cry. Mm-hmm. I think I was I think I was explaining to you like I just feel like shit and I feel like I want to cry and you were like then just do it. I was like I don't want to and you were like no no. Trust me, do it and you gave me the best advice and you told me to put on a movie that I knew would make me cry because then Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you're crying about whatever you're crying about, but it still is that emotional release. And that's the best advice. Best well, advice. Thank you. Also, videos of uh, soldiers surprising their families coming home gets me every time. Like gymnastics meets or things. Mm, watching the underdog win is always yeah. like. Yes. Ugh. Ugh. It's so good. Um, speaking of things that made me cry this week. Oh, yes. Um, I watched, I 
binge-watched the last season of Schitt's Creek. I have not... I think I have two seasons left. I watched the entire season. The last two episodes, I sobbed like a tiny human, or a healthy human, um... (laughs) Normalized normalized crying. Um, It is so good. Tiny humans cry too. Normalize tiny tiny humans. Hashtag normalize tiny humans. For sure. (laughs) Um, There's also a documentary on Netflix that came up as a suggestion (gasps) after of them making the final season. Stop. I love documentaries. And it, they, oh my gosh, they showed footage from the last table read. No, and I'm like, already crying and I haven't even seen it. And like them filming certain scenes. Oh, That's yeah. Um, you watched The Office, correct? Yes. So yes. I did not watch it when it came out because for some reason I just couldn't get into it at mm-hmm. the time. But um, my husband and I watched it together after we'd been married for a couple years and made the mistake of watching the finale on our lunch break <gasps> why why we, because because that was our lunch ritual we would go home we would watch the office because it was only 20 minutes and then we would go back to work you gotta Biggest save the we. finale for the evening i know times. we didn't think about it. well and we'd never i don't think we'd ever watched a show that had a finale that was that impactful oh you know so mm-hmm. we weren't we were expecting something but not that so i just remember it was over and we looked at each other and we were both like fuck how are we supposed to go back to work <laughs> now? <laughs> I think we both were seriously like, can we call in sick? Is that is that weird? We did go back to work. I'm sure neither of us were productive, but yeah, you call in sad. Like I'm sorry, yeah. I can't come back to work. I'm calling in sad. Listen, I finished the last episode of The Office, and they're just like, no, no, we understand. Say, say Take no more. Take all the time you need. You're. We have bereavement time for a yeah. reason. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Um, speaking of things that I have seen I'm trying really hard with transitions here and it's I don't know if it's working we should just let's start transitioning like we're writing a like seventh grade paper not only have I recently uh, watched Schitt's Creek something the last season something that I had not seen um, last night I watched Halloween Town for the yes! first time. I'm so happy. <laughs> we we talked about it in that one episode and, and I Nellie think Bly. The, next, the next day at work I watched it while I was working. Yeah. I hadn't I hadn't seen it. It was very good. I did yeah. not know the grandma is Debbie Reynolds. Yes. But it was very good. It was really yeah. cute. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised at how well it stands up today because you and I we've talked about um I mean this might offend some of our listeners because I know this is like a huge cult classic but uh would you consider it a cult classic we'll find out um Hocus Pocus Mm. is one of Mm -hmm. those movies that like everyone loves it and I loved it when it first came out but you didn't see it as a child right I saw it for the first time last Halloween yeah I was 29 years old when I saw Hocus Pocus for the first time. I watched it, and I was like, okay, I get it. 
like, had I watched this as a child, I feel like it probably would have had the sentimental value and the nostalgia factor. But, like, watching it, it... Here's the thing. I do have that nostalgia factor, and I still didn't enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what it was. And so I was worried when I mentioned Halloween Town that it would be the same. No. But, yeah. I, I did enjoy it. It's an enjoyable movie. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. It was very good. Uh, insert um, relevant transition here because I can't think of one. <laughs> I read something interesting this week that relates to our episode on millennials. Yes, do tell. Um, it actually involves boomers because we've talked about how like boomers are really entitled and they often seem like they don't have empathy mm-hmm. and they're like cranky. <laughs> the time you know typical boomer karen behavior i mean that's a pretty good way to describe it cranky is a great word for it (laughs) um have you heard of the boomer lead poisoning hypothesis no there is this theory that i hadn't heard about until this weekend there's a theory that the boomers were a generation that grew up uh in a time of like relatively high lead poisoning right right lead was in everything yeah and lead causes a lot of problems in the brain, such as reduction of the capacity to empathize and reduction of abilities to think logically. Which would explain what? so much. Interesting. I know. I don't want to, like, give them excuses for why they act so shitty, but also, like... But it kind of makes That would make sense. sense. And it does seem weird that such a large group of a generation i mean i guess it's a lot of like how you were raised and a lot of generations are raised in similar ways but it does seem weird that like such a large amount of a generation would act in that same like emotionally aggressive way right so huh yeah well we will have to keep our eyes and ears open if more information comes out about that because that's kind of yeah. fascinating. Yep. Hmm. But listen, if you're being a Karen, I'm still going to call you out for it. I don't care yeah. how much lead paint you licked as a child. <laughs> Gotta work on yourself. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. See, so you ready to check in? How's, that? Say, is that, How's the, that for a transition? Is that the end of our banter? I am done with banter. Let's check I'm, in. I'm done with banter. How you doing? I'm I'm good. Uh, which feels weird because I have not been good for the past couple of days. I haven't been, like, bad. I've just been in a funk mm-hmm. where, like, nothing's been enjoyable and I've been cranky and I hate everyone and everything and I just haven't wanted to do anything I've been in this really weird funk where I just feel really bad about myself which is always the best and so because I'm emotional I want to eat all the things but then I feel bad about myself for wanting to eat all the things Mm -hmm. and I've just been in this like downward downward spiral for the past couple days. I'm actually very thankful we didn't record 
yesterday because it was not a good headspace day. Yeah. But I don't know why, but I'm feeling a lot better today, so can't complain. I'm a little sore. I'm a little more than a little sore. I haven't worked out for a long time. And then yesterday, I decided I needed to work out, so I worked out way too much. And now I'm really sore. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> gonna try to not complain about that during this episode. Um, but other than that, I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Um, I'm okay. I was also in a weird funk this week. Um, yeah. It's funny to hear you, like, talk about it, because I was trying to figure out how I was going to describe my headspace this past week, and you just kind of hit the nail on the head for <gasps> me, too. Um, oh, not feeling great about myself. Um, I had a week where I was convinced that everyone I talked to thought I was a moron. And had, like, it was so, I don't know if, like, it's always been this way, if I'm just actually a moron. Um, (laughs) No, no. But I noticed this week that, like, I would say something and then people would respond with essentially what I just said. And I'm like, no, that's literally what I just told you. I was like, do you think I'm a moron? And it was, like, even the smallest things. And I'm like, yes, I I feel like I said the phrase, yes, I know, or yes, I'm fully aware more times this week than I have all month. And I realize it's only the 11th, but still. That tiny phrase is one of the most emotionally taxing phrases in the human language. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I was just in a weird negative headspace this week, too. Um And then I was, like, second-guessing myself and my ability to, like, comprehend things and explain things. And it was just, it was a week. And it it made me very, like, antisocial. I, like, didn't talk to anyone this week. (laughs) I was just going to say, I noticed we talked, and I think this was on, on both of our sides. It's not just... A you thing. But especially, I know you said there was one day this week that was, like, especially hard for you. Mm-hmm. And you, like, didn't respond to me at all, which is fine. Like, if that's what you need, do that. Yeah. But I, I'm curious if that made our moods worse. Yeah. Oh, I'm you sure know? it did because we're, we're so used to having each yeah. other, you know. It was super weird. And obviously, like, we both needed space for various reasons, mm-hmm. which is fine. But, like, that... I don't know that we've had... I know we've had a day or two like that. I don't know that we've had as much time as we did this week like that. And that was weird. It was really weird. And I'm sure that definitely contributed to both of our negative headspaces. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah, it's been a fun week. I love you no matter how shitty your weeks are. Oh, thank you. I love you, too. And... It's okay. (laughs) The look of fear on your face when you had that whistle. I almost dropped my phone into my coffee mug. <laughs> and I would have not Sheer only terror. ruined my phone, but also ruined my coffee. It's like the two uh. worst things that could happen to me right now. Okay. okay. So, oh, you, were, you, know, you ready to bitch? Uh, yeah, always. All right. I actually <laughs> haven't, we since we haven't been talking as much this week, I haven't bitched as much as normal. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've got some pent-up 
bitching energy inside of me, so I'm ready. Good. And I know I know we both have feelings about this topic. So I, I feel like I say this every week. I'm very excited to learn uh, or to hear what you have to say. <laughs> okay. So my bitching topic today is about women's clothing sizes and the ridiculousness that comes with it. So anyone who buys women's clothing will be the first to tell you that one of the most annoying parts of shopping for clothes is the difference in sizes from store to store. What is yes. a medium shirt at like Target might be the size of a small or a large at a place like Kohl's or whatever. It's yep. stupid, it's unnecessary, and it is a lot to keep track of. Yes. Which is, I constantly find myself like walking into Target and being like, okay, so what am I here? And it's... yep. It sucks because I am always on the cusp between, like, two different sizes. Yes. So even then, it's harder (laughs) to remember what I am. God forbid you, like, gain or lose five pounds. Yes. Yes. (sighs) It's, yeah. It's awful. I hate it. So why are clothing sizes that way? So if we're going to start at the very beginning... All clothing was handmade, obviously. There were no sizes because each piece of clothing was specifically made for the body that it was going on, right? That sounds nice. Right? It also sounds like a lot of work. It (laughs) does. I also know um, from watching a lot of famous people on YouTube that, like, that's what a lot of celebrities do. They're like, I don't understand how you can buy something and not get it tailored. Well, you have to get it tailored. Obviously, most of us can't afford that but yeah that's but why that's... their clothes that's why their clothes fit perfectly every time mm-hmm. and then we as common folk yep. like look at that and go well i'm never gonna look like that exactly which sucks um so when did that change when did we transition from having clothes made for each specific body to kind of the sizing that we have today not necessarily the sizing we have today but um it was the industrial revolution uh they realized that that. they were losing a lot of money and they could streamline the process and make it a lot easier for manufacturers to develop clothing for women sure so women um, specifically yes God damn it we will get we will I'll I'll touch on men's clothing sizes here in a hot second but question for you first. I'm curious to Uh-oh. see if you can guess this because I had no idea. So the first women's sizing standards in the U.S., who do you think developed that? Uh, I have no idea. What? It was none other than the Department of Agriculture, of course. Duh! How could I be so dumb? I was I'm like, sorry. really? The Department I'm of sorry. Agriculture? What? Yeah. In 1939. And I was like, I read that and I was like, I wonder how many women were in the Department of Agriculture at that time. I can only assume 1939, the Department of Agriculture was a group of dudes. Yeah. Who were tasked with developing clothes for women's bodies. Why? That's a good question. That is a good, (laughs) good question that... Shocker, I don't have the answer to. I that makes absolutely no sense. Nor nor does the internet. So okay. yeah. 
1939, they took a crack at developing standard sizes for women's clothing. I'm sure they did. Clearly, they've done very well. Right, right. So, quick side note here. You asked about men's clothing. So, there is evidence of men's ready-to-wear clothing sizes that has existed as far back as the Revolutionary War. Okay. Why was that developed so early, you might ask? Military uniforms. So, by the War of 1812, the army had to have just holding stocks of ready-made uniforms sure according to a single measurement what they did was they measured how broad the man's chest was based on the assumption that each man is proportionate to the width of their chest so they just had to take the one measurement and they could develop the military uniform the rest of the body based on that one measurement that works well i'm sure okay can i just sorry yeah, Do you no, have... go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, keep that in mind as we continue the story. I have a feeling that they determine that doesn't work well. So they change it for men, but that stays with women. That's This is my guess. Okay. Because, because what I know now about men's clothing is that most of it is sized by, like, specific inch measurements. Like, you buy shirts based on, like, neck and, like, shoulders. Yeah. I think, a lot of, like, formal wear specifically yeah, is, is built like that. Yeah, but women's shirts are still, like, medium, small, large, or, like, six, seven, six, six eight, ten, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then same with pants. I know, like, Tyler goes to buy jeans, and he's like, oh, I'm a 36, 22. I have no idea what measurements those are. That probably makes him a weird size. But, like, that's but women's... Like- that's like very short legs i that's what i thought (laughs) he's not he's not but but women's clothing is again like six eight ten twelve fourteen i have a feeling we'll come back to that but okay yep yep so the department of agriculture shocking there were a few things wrong with how they developed these sizes so what they did They're like, was it they... works for horses. I mean <laughs> you measure the chest, we fit the saddle. I don't understand. Women are horses. That's the Women. same, right? Same thing? God damn it. God damn it. I know. <laughs> so what they ended up doing was they took a survey. Um, it was done on a volunteer basis. Women could come in, get measured, and they would receive a small sum of money. So because it was done this way, the sample size, pun intended, was largely made up of women from a lower socioeconomic status who needed the money. That makes so much sense. So there were a lot of poorer women who were malnourished. Yes. And that is how they determined the average size of all women in America. That makes so much sense. It was also primarily white women's bodies who are given that consideration. Also makes sense. Yep. Yep. So they they only took there were five measurements that were created based on this sample to represent the body sizes of all women. Sure. The measurements still primarily relied on bust size. I freaking knew it. And Man, a... guys, if I bought clothing based on my bust size, I would never have pants that fit. 
see, and that's always my problem is I have a very broad upper body. Yeah. Like a very broad chest. I don't have real big boobs, but I have a very broad upper body. And so I always have to get a larger size shirt based on that, but then I'm drowning in the rest of it. Right. And it's very frustrating. Stupid, stupid sizes. Yeah. Well, I have I have the opposite problem. I have petite shoulders, so I can, depending on the store, buy like a four or a six in like a blazer. Mm-hmm. Cannot fit in a four or a six in pants. Yeah. I think I have to get an eight or a ten blazer. Otherwise, I will hulk out the back. Yeah. And that's just not cool in the workplace for some reason. No. No. I feel like it should be to show how badass... And dominant women are. Can you imagine anytime we get we get mad at work, we just hulk out of our blazers? You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> that would be incredible. Let's let's okay, we're copywriting this before I even say it out loud. Let's make a line of blazers that are like velcro <gasps> or like tearaway snaps so that women can do that and then put them back together and then like reuse I them. I love that idea. Yeah. Done. Guys, let us know what colors you want. If you want any patterns, we'll start a new workwear line. Perfect. I love it. So it relied on the bus size, and it also also assumed that all women had an hourglass figure. That does not surprise me in the slightest. Nope. Because, shocker, it was the 30s, and so women, that is what they wanted flattered. Yes. So... And... They all wore corsets all the time, yes. correct? Yes. That's something I didn't know until like two or three years ago. I think we were in uh, some sort of period play. <laughs> period play. It wasn't about <laughs> periods. Um, but we were in some sort of play that took place in like the 30s or something. Mm-hmm. And they were struggling to fit women into the clothing. And I remember one of the costumers being like, don't feel bad. The women literally wore corsets all the time. This is why. Yeah. That's the only reason. And I don't know why that had never occurred to me before. Yep. (sighs) Yeah. So surprisingly or not surprisingly, this specific sizing standard lasted less than a decade. (laughs) Wow. Um, So in the (laughs) forties, They decided to update the standard. Um, the cool. male, the male order association, M A I L, not M A L E. Male order association of America was sick of clothing constantly being returned due to poor fit, um, and they started working on behalf of Sears Roebucks and asked the National Institute of Standards and Technology to reanalyze the data and create new standardized sizes in 1953. Okay. So they took the data that was already there. Remember, poor, malnourished white women. Yes. And added in, sprinkled in, some women who had served in the army during World War II. Okay. Uh. Go ahead. Uh, I don't feel like I actually have to put any words into my thoughts. <laughs> yep. Yep. They're like, well, let's get a different body type in there. Still super fit. Yep. Super athletic. Probably small. Small. Yep. This God this it, will guys. give us this will give us a more accurate sample size for the study. I hate everybody. So I know. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. It's not your fault. <laughs> so this new system had its good parts and its bad parts. It was definitely an improvement from before. Um, okay. but unfortunately, it was based primarily on height and weight. 
and people oh, no. quickly realized that it would be difficult to get a woman to tell a sales clerk their exact weight in order to find clothes that fit. Shocker. Yeah. So, instead, they had a single measurement of the upper body and then combined it with a height index. So there was regular, long, and short, and then there was okay. a lower body girth index for regular, stout, and slim. So there okay. were more more size options, but sure. still not an accurate representation of the average American woman. Yes. At the time. Yes. Shocker. Also, like, who decided to use the word girth? That seems I like know. the most I, unflattering I saw term. That, so- that term used in so many articles, and I was like, I hate it. I hate it. I, I hate it. I mean, I get it. It is literally your girth, but... <sighs> yeah. Ugh, okay. Um, so they had a range of sizes. Eight was the smallest, and okay. 30, 38 was the largest. Okay. So, 1958, these new sizes became the new commercial standard. Um, the goal, again, hopefully to reduce the amount of alterations or returns when women brought bought clothing. Which I love that they changed, they decided to change sizes, not because, like, it wasn't functional for women, mm-hmm. but because businesses didn't want to have to deal with yes. returns. Yes. <sighs> Guys, capitalism is the worst. It is. It makes me so mad. Oh, just wait. You're not going to oh, like you're not going to like this next part. Oh no. Okay. So this system stuck around until the 1970s. Okay. When the US Department of Commerce decided to go away with that commercial standard and had the American Society of Testing and Materials develop a VPS. So, this was different from the earlier standards. This included health data and offered consideration for bodies of women of color. So they okay. pulled they pulled information from the National Center of Health Statistics to give a much broader body type, right? Okay. Yeah. So this is great, right? Uh, I'm not sure it is, but sure. Yeah, not quite. So God dang it. VPS stood for Voluntary Product Standard. Meaning it's not an actual standard. God dang it. It's just kind of out there as a suggestion. <sighs> yep. Uh, no. So once this started, that's when people started to see a bigger difference between sizes based on brand. That, no. This also started the concept of vanity sizing. Also, how, before you get into that, yeah. how did they think this was going to fix the problem of returns? Right? What if every person is different. God, I'm mad. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, vanity sizing yep. is essentially the concept that women feel better about themselves with a lower number on the tag on their clothing. Yep. Which, can I just say, women also would have felt better with themselves if we had normalized regular body shape and sizes at this time instead of regular... I can't even words this, guys. Yes. Yes. So, manufacturers began creating bigger clothes and putting smaller sizing numbers on them. 
So this is how the size zero was created. It didn't Ugh. exist until vanity sizing started happening. So if you remember, the 1958 standard listed an eight as its smallest size. Mm-hmm. The 1995 quote-unquote standard listed a size two as the, its smallest size. And in 2011, there developed a size double zero. Yep. So eventually, in which 19- yeah, go ahead. I don't, I don't want to disparage women who are naturally small, but is it even possible to be a double zero and be healthy? I do not know. I think it's very rare. Yeah. And it's, unfortunately, it's encouraged. Yes. Like, you see things out there like the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show, which I feel like we could do a whole thing on that. And these women are like, you can't see this, but this big (laughs) around. Like, it's a tiny little circle that I am making with my fingers. Yes. And you look at them and you go, they're gorgeous. Yeah. And you look down at, like, maybe the little pouch that you have on your stomach. And you're like, hey, I wish this would go away. The one that's made to protect your uterus? The 100% the one that's made to protect your uterus. Guys, did you know that? Which is essential for developing human life. The little the little pooch you have on the lower bit of your tummy is supposed to be there. Yeah, it's your I, uterus. I'm 30 years old. I just learned that, guys. I am also 30 years old, and I also just learned that from Carissa. <laughs> I learned it from the internet. <laughs> I'm like but currently, yeah. I'm cradling my lower pooch same, right now like I have a same. baby in there. I Everybody don't. cradle cradle your uterus pooch. Thank, Give it some thank, love. Thank your uter pooch. That's what I'm going to call pooch. it now is the uter pooch. It sounds not great, but it also kind of sounds, it's fun to say. I'm going to think on it. Po- <laughs> it I was going to say pooterus and I was like, that's not any better. Pooterus. <laughs> Ooh. If you have ideas on what to call your um, little pooch of fat that protects your uterus, yeah, hit us up on social media. Thank We'd it. Love to know. Give it a yeah. little. Thank you for protecting my uterus. Love you. Trying, up, trying to love you. Keep up the good work. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you were gonna say something. I don't know what. Let's just love our bodies the way they are, guys. Yes. It's hard, but we can do it. It's really hard. Start with your uter pooch. Start <laughs> with your pooterus. That also doesn't. It's so. gonna catch on. It's gonna catch it's gonna... on. Let us know if you want pooterus shirts. We'll make them up. So I'm gonna give you some numbers. Uh oh. So in 1958, a size eight corresponded with a bust of 31 inches. Okay. A waist of 23 and a half inches and okay. a hip girth, there's that word again, of 32 and a half inches. That's fucking absurd. So in 2008, a size eight had increased by five to six inches in each of those three measurements. So the proportions are the same. Interesting. They just bumped out the measurement a little bit that's also where that weird um i don't know what you would call it disconnect myth whatever comes from that um 
Marilyn Monroe. There's, you always see those things that are like, yep, Marilyn Monroe. I have that. I have her stats in here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what is 2008's standard size 8 would have been a 14 or a 16 in 1958. Jeez. And Which just is... hearing that, I I literally have a, like, physical reaction in my stomach to hearing those numbers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so Marilyn Monroe, as you said earlier, she was a size 12 in the 1960s. Today, she would have been a size 6. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, unfortunately, vanity sizing is the industry standard now, and it is yeah. always changing. Yeah. And it allows companies to essentially develop their own sizing charts. So manufacturers can take whatever factors they want to develop their sizes. So I did some digging at some popular women's clothing stores to compare measurements. So the average clothing size for an American woman falls between a 16 and an 18. So I pulled some numbers for a size 18 for a few different brands just to see how the measurement compares. Yeah. Are you ready? Nope. Well, here we go. Oh, and spoiler alert, none of these are the same. I'm not surprised by that in the slightest. Okay. Okay. We have American Eagle. So a size 18 there is an extra, extra large top, but it is an extra large pant. What? Mm Mm-hmm. That's confusing. This is the only one that wasn't consistent between, like, top and bottom. Yeah. So the bust is a 44. The waist is a 36 and a half. That's bullshit. And a hip is 46. Okay. Uh, quick question. Why is the waist so small? All of them are that. They're still assumed that women have an hourglass figure. Which doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Yes. Urban Outfitters. Size 18 is an extra large. The bust is 40.2 inches. Um. Um. Just no. The waist is 32.7 inches. For a size 18. No, no. The average waist. I pulled the CDC has the the average waist of an American woman is yeah. 38.7 inches. And theirs is a yeah. 32.7. Oh, that makes me mad. You know what sells clothes? Making women feel like shit about themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the hip is 41.9. So by far, that is the smallest measurement across the board. That's upsetting. And then Old Navy. Which is where I would always shop because I was smaller at Old Navy. I love Old Navy. Yep. So a size 18 is an extra large. Uh, The bust is 45 inches. The waist is 37. And the hip is 48. Okay. So that one seems probably the most normal out of all of them. But. Which. Can we just talk about the fact that average size is a size 18 which in every single one of these 
is either called an extra large or yes. an extra extra large. Yeah, and they're hard to find. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so upsetting on so many levels. Yes. I don't understand why we're not catering. Like, doesn't that just seem, if all, if everything is about money, why are we not catering to the average woman? And, like, a normal range on either side of that. I I don't understand. I don't. I don't either. I don't understand. I don't either. And it's, like, it's not hard enough to shop for clothes when you know your size. Like, the number of times I've even gone into Old Navy, somewhere where I pretty much exclusively shopped there my last few years in high school and in college because I knew what what size I was there. Mm-hmm. But, like, the number of times I left those dressing rooms in tears. Yes. Knowing my size. And then, God forbid, I go to Target or try to go somewhere else to buy clothes. And then I don't know what size I am. So I'm trying on more, which is more frustrating and more time consuming. And then I'm in tears because at Old Navy, I was an 8 or a 10. And then I go somewhere else and I'm not fitting in 12s or 14s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it, <sighs> uh, yeah. I've had very, very similar experiences where I have left i'm sure every woman has where Absolutely. you leave the dressing dressing room almost in tears if not actually in tears yes because you feel just so fat and you yeah. feel and it's or disproportionate like you're wearing something that fits in one area but not another area and you feel like i must be built wrong because these clothes aren't fitting me welcome to no, every top i've ever tried on the clothes are what's built wrong guys mm-hmm and then, so it's hard enough to buy clothes in store when you're trying them on. Mm-hmm. How in the hell are we supposed to buy anything online? Yeah. Especially right now. A lot of dressing rooms are, are shut down now. Like when, yeah. I went in, when I went into Target, they had shut down their dressing rooms completely. That so... makes sense. And it's a lot harder to return things. Yep. I use one of the many motivating factors in my life to lose weight as I was growing up was this belief that if I just got skinny enough, I could finally buy clothes online without Mm. having to worry about it. Because I thought, which I know now isn't true. Excuse me. I felt like I lost 10 pounds with that burp. That was nice. Can you order Um, clothes online now? Maybe. Let's try. No, I still have my uter pooch. I think I called it a uter poo one of the last times. Puterous. Um... (laughs) We'll get there, guys. Eventually. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Uh, I actually, I don't know if this is relevant here or not, but when has that stopped me from saying anything before? <laughs> I essentially refuse to buy Nike clothes, Nike workout apparel, mm-hmm. because of an experience I had when I was first buying running clothes. I, uh, When I was first getting serious about running in the winter... Mm-hmm. I knew that I needed um, good leggings. Mm-hmm. So I went to Shields and grabbed whatever size I was traditionally. And I grabbed um, Under Armour and I grabbed Nike. Mm-hmm. Under Armour fit like a dream. Fit perfect. The Nike ones, like, I think I barely pulled them up. And there's no way I could have moved at all. Yep. And I remember how defeated I felt 
from just that single interaction that mm-hmm. I won't I won't try their stuff on anymore. Well, and it's it's exhausting to constantly yes. have to be like, okay, so what do I fit in again? Okay, so I I can't do Nike, but I can do Under Armour. How do I feel about like Reebok or whatever? I Yes, can't for think sure. of thi- you know. It's almost like you have to have a spreadsheet. Which knowing me, exactly. I probably should start one. <laughs> I color coded and everything, but um, <laughs> it's yeah. Like I can buy shirts from this store, but I can't buy pants. Okay, my favorite skirt came from this store, and it's like trying well, to keep track of all of that. Sometimes even within stores, like they're not consistent. I just don't get it. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. And again, I don't understand how that's supposed to sell more clothing. Yeah. So what can we do? Stop wearing clothes. Nudist colonies. Here we go. It's your time to shine. (laughs) Uh, So the first thing we can do, like we said in the pink tax episode, speak up. Shaming on the internet is cool. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) I don't know. Two companies, not two people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, unless they're like really shitty people, but that's a different. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. So, I mean, feel free to call companies out on their bullshit because it is bullshit. Yes. I don't know how much it's going to do, but it's worth a shot. Can't can't hurt. It's not like they're going to go, oh, people don't like this. Yeah. Let's make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Second... I wrote this down, and I don't know how I feel about it now that we've had our conversations, so... Okay. We'll feel it out together. We'll feel it out. Um, feel free to shop around and find your sizes. Yeah. I, like, no, I I think that's good. I think it's good to find what stores work yeah. for your body. Yeah. And it isn't, it isn't economical for one store to make clothes to fit every body shape. Right. Like, we can't yeah. expect that. So I do think that's a good point. Okay. Shop around, find find the stores that work for you and yep. support those businesses that are making yes. clothes to fit your body. Yes. And it it will be easier once the Rona has subsided yes. uh, to, like, go and try <laughs> things on so that you're not purchasing things and then having to return them all the time. But yeah. So feel free to like you said, support the businesses that support your body. Yeah. Yes. Look at that. Look at that little tagline. That worked out better Beautiful. than I thought. Uh, number three, don't be afraid to dig out a sewing machine. Alter your clothes. If yeah. they don't if they don't fit right, do a quick YouTube search and find out how to alter it yourself and make yourself feel good. That's if you're great. super ambitious, try making your own clothes. I'm not that ambitious, but some of you might be, and that's awesome. I also feel like the alteration tip is really good because it's normal for bodies to change. Yes. And so having that in your back pocket to be able to alter your clothes in one way or the other to make you feel better about that very normal change that your body Mm -hmm. has undertaken, like that's... Yeah, that's super cute. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't feel comfortable making the alterations yourself, there are people out there who will do it for you. Yeah. You are not a failure if you choose to have your clothes altered. I, I always kind of saw that as a, well, I don't need to get my clothes altered. 
Yeah, They fit just fine. Like, there's not a negative stigma behind it. No. No one's going to know. If anything, they'll be like, hey, you look great in those pants. Yeah. And if they do give you shit, fuck them. They clearly have their own insecurities that they're trying to deal with by putting you down. Yes. And number four, probably Mm -hmm. the most important, most important thing that we can do is to always remember that clothing sizes do not define you. You are a person, not a number, and you are beautiful no matter what number shows up on the scale, the tape measure, or the clothing tag. Yes. So. Yes. Yes. If you yes. need moral support, you know where to find us. In we our closets. Here. We are here for you. In our closets. <laughs> Do you wish Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, and other problematic politicians would just go away? Are you sick of the leadership in this country and wish there was something you could do about it? Do you find yourself getting mad every single day at the things our president says and the current events? And the steady increase of COVID cases with complete denial in the White House and no national plan to help fix it? And the misogyny and the lack of empathy and the state of the economy? And oh my god, just everything! Then have we got the solution for you. Voting! Have you heard of it? Besides running for office yourself, voting is the number one way to prevent the spread of old, out-of-date white men in office and flatten those conserv-atives. I think we all have a few conserv-atives we'd like flattened right about now. Voting is easy to do. Just make sure you're registered and visit your polling place on November 3rd. Candidates can be found supporting your political priorities, both at the state and federal levels. Name a popular issue. Seriously, right now. Say it out loud. Yeah, there's probably a candidate out there in support of it. There are a lot of important issues right now. If you can't vote in person, and you don't live in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, South Carolina, or New York, you can still vote by mail. Just apply for your absentee ballot online, fill out the ballot when it arrives, and mail it back. Seriously, we don't really care how you vote, but please, just vote. I love to vote, even if I can't leave my house. Me too. This will be presidential election number four for me. And I think it's a great way to revolutionize and make my voice heard while also showing compassion for my country. Side effects may include political change, a renewed sense of pride, and a president who actually gives a shit about the well-being of this country. Guys, we are going to talk about probably my favorite athlete of all time. We are learning about Simone Biles. Yes! She is the most incredible gymnast and I'm going to tell you about how she got to where she is today and what she does with her fame and all that good jazz. So, to start, gotta back it up about 23 years. March 14th, 1997, in Columbus, Ohio, Simone Biles is born. She is third of four children to her biological mother. Unfortunately, her biological mother struggled with substance abuse Mm. for most of her life, and her father was out of the picture. Okay. So when she is just three years old, she goes into foster care for the first time. 
But she was only with this foster family for a few months before her biological grandfather and his second wife decided that they would take them into their care so that they could be with family. So she and her three siblings move with them to Texas. Um, And they're there for, I want to say, about a year before her mom shows up again and says, like, hey, I'm going to get clean. I want to make this work. Take you guys back in. So they move back to Ohio. They end up living with the same foster family while their mother is working to prove that she can um, get clean and take care of them. Um, And they're there for about a year. She is unable to keep clean long enough to take them on. So eventually her grandparents decide to take them back and they officially adopt her i believe when she is six years old oh so now um her grandparents are now her mom and her dad cute so she's six she's moved back to texas with her grandparents and they had two um sons of their own who were in high school and then mm-hmm. she has i believe an older brother an older sister and a younger sister i believe biologically okay. So they're living in Texas. She's six. At this point, she has yet to actually start gymnastics, which is crazy because most elite gymnasts have already been yeah. in gymnastics since they were like one or two. I was going to say, I feel like that's late. It is for okay. like elite gymnastics standard. That's very late. Yeah. But she was essentially from the day she was born, a born athlete and a flyer. She was always running around, jumping and flipping off of everything. Um, she, always, she talks about how her mom used to have to tell her to stop climbing the mailbox because she would <laughs> climb the mailbox to do flips off of it. And she was super strong. Um, the, like, kids at school called her a soldier, like a swollen soldier, because she had, she had, like, six-pack abs and, like, biceps as a six-year-old. She's this insane little athlete. Insane. So every parent's dream child. Climbing the mailbox. Absolutely. Climbing climbing into the the crib. Climbing. Cool. Yes. Jumping, flipping off of swing sets, trampolines. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So uh, when she's six, she's in daycare. And they're supposed to be taking a field trip to a farm. But it's raining. So last minute, they have to change their plans. They end up going to a gymnastics gym. While she's there, she's running around doing what she always does, doing flips, copying what the big kids are doing. And the coaches at the gym have their eyes on her the whole time because Mm -hmm. she's insane. They immediately see her potential. And so they go up to her and they say, like, hey, are you interested in being in gymnastics? Naturally, her mother is like, uh, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get this girl somewhere where she can actually flip and I hopefully don't have to yell at her for it. Right. So she signs her up for classes. Excuse me. She's only in... Or she starts on the recreational league, mm-hmm. obviously. She's only in recreational classes for, I think, three and a half days before they move her to the team. Wow. Yeah. And I um, have started reading her book... And it sounds like uh, the team coach was busy the first few days. The rec mm-hmm. coach was like, hey, you have to come see this girl. And the team coach was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. There's a good chance if she had seen her on that first or second day, she would have moved oh, her before that. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So she gets moved immediately 
to the team. Like I said, she has this super strength. She's always been very strong. She has an incredible air awareness. So she has this ability when she's doing flips to know like exactly where in the air she is, <laughs> which blows my mind. That's, she, in, I have a hard time like sometimes when I'm like sitting on my couch <laughs> to know where I am. <laughs> she's basically like a cat in that she can like do a flip and be like, oh, actually, this is what I need to change to make sure I land on my feet. It's right. crazy. And they talk about how that's a thing that the coaches can't teach. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she just has this innate ability is insane. She also is a visual learner, which means she can watch someone do a trick and basically repeat it. There's a story about how when she is small, um, they're having team rehearsal. Rehearsal? Practice? Sure. Uh, and... Uh, there was a uh, cheerleading team also having rehearsal, little practice. Um, and she was watching them do standing back tucks. And mm-hmm. she looks at her coach and she's like, I can do that. And her coach is like, no, you can't. She does it. And then her coach doubles down and was like, well, I bet you can't do it on the um, balance beam. And she's like, yes, I can. And she goes over and climbs up on the balance beam, which at this point is taller than she is. Yeah, and like a, f- a, like a full... A full balance beam. beam. Start her her on like a line on the floor or something. Uh, this was her fault, not her coach's fault. Her coach was like, "No, no, do it on the small beam." Okay, okay. Simone did it all herself, but she got on the small beam and nailed it on her first try. Of course, she did. She's wow, insane. So unsurprisingly, she starts moving up the levels very quickly. Um, quick rundown of gymnastics. They have levels um one through ten you have to uh you have to be able to do specific routines on the various apparatuses in order Mm -hmm. to move up each level and then after level 10 you can get to elite and then there are two levels of elite so you have junior which is 11 year olds to 15 year olds and then you have senior which is 16 and up and senior elite is what you see in uh, in gymnastics lol in (laughs) the olympics okay so She's moving up super fast. She goes up a level, like, every couple months. Wow. She's moving up in levels. Um, She eventually becomes one of only two level nine gymnasts in her gym. And at the time is the only one working on moving to a level 10. She's 11 years old. What? And she's only been in gymnastics for, like, five years at this point. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, she's an insane athlete. She's insane. So she starts competing at local and state meets. She is a tiny, tiny child. She, at her full-grown height right now, is only 4'8". Yeah. So, like, as an 11-year-old, she's even tinier. So she's competing against all of these girls that are older than her and they're taller than her. But she starts to win medals on a regular basis. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So she reaches level 10. She and her coach submit videos to USA Gymnastics in hopes that they would invite her to their training camps. Mm-hmm. Their request was denied. Because of her age? She... No. Oh. Um, she had many skills that others her age didn't have, but she was weak on bars. Oh. So, like I said, they submit the videos. They're rejected. Marta Caroli, who... 
if you know anything about gymnastics at the time, was the one to impress. She said, this is a quote, This kid has no bars. I can't let her come to camp. She can tumble great, but that's it. So Uh, they don't let her. Not a big fan of hers. Uh, same. For many reasons. Same. Um, obviously, she and her coach are frustrated, upset, dejected, but they don't let that crush their spirits. Um... They start working harder than they did before. They start analyzing all of her routines and working on consistency and degree of difficulty on all of her routines, especially her bars. Okay. In her first competition as a junior elite gymnast, she emerges as champion on the vault and the all-around champion. Whoa. Yeah. So after this- first competition- first elite junior competition wow that's awesome so they send tapes to usa gymnastics again and this time they're accepted so 2011 she's now competing as a junior elite gymnast she is um competing at the national championships to to see if she can make it onto the usa team she's been through the camp which wasn't a great experience for her like if you watch her compete she's a very bubbly smiley person she jokes on the sideline whatever yeah in at the ranch smiling and laughing during training was seen as you not taking it seriously so she wasn't allowed to do that so she basically had to on top of having her butt kicked physically she had to try to hide all of her emotions and it was not which would Agreed. be exhausting, like on yes. multiple levels. Yes, a hundred and ten thousand percent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't do that. Same. More power to her. But she ends up um, competing at the national championships in 2011. As you noted, she's 14, and she's hoping she can make it onto Team USA Junior Elite Gymnasts. Mm-hmm. She's a little nervous about the competition because there are a lot of other athletes, athletes that she has been looking up to since she was very small. She talks about reading about them in, um, like, Sports Illustrated for Kids, Mm -hmm. and she's finally competing on the same stage. And on top of just being intimidated, she's worried that they won't like her if she beats them. Oh. I know. That's so heartbreaking. I know. So... She goes on. She does the competition. She obviously mentally isn't all there. And she has an okay competition, but it's not super great. Mm-hmm. Um, her last event is the vault. Marta Caroli wants her to do a vault called the Aminar. And it is, without explaining to you what it actually is, one of the hardest vaults in the world. Okay. And she basically needs this vault, or is told that she needs this vault, in order to do as good as she needs to do in this competition. Mm -hmm. But she has never performed this vault in a competition before. She has not been working on it for very long. She doesn't feel comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And um, her coach says, it's your call. You're the one doing it. Do what you feel comfortable with. So she ends up not doing the vault because she's terrified she's going to injure herself and leave on a stretcher. Yeah. (laughs) So she does the original vault she had planned and she fucking nails it uh the scores come up the top 
13 gymnasts make the U.S. team. She comes in 14th. No! Yeah. Ugh. So, obviously, she is crushed. She was yeah. so close. But she does have a great quote. Um, so, she basically, like, takes this time. She cries about it a lot. She thinks about it a lot. And then she realizes, no, I'm going to come back stronger. And she says, the same thing is true in gymnastics as it is in life. You can't go back. The best you can do is forgive yourself, take a deep breath, and then get to work on the next challenge. But that doesn't mean you can't ball first. And let me tell you, I did. Okay, that makes our crying conversation from earlier. Right. Very appropriate. Yeah. (laughs) Take the time you need to mourn your losses and your mistakes. That's totally fine. And then when you're ready, get up and kick some ass, which is exactly what she does. So she and her coach, they reevaluate all of her routines. They look at it with a new perspective. Um, They work on upgrading skills, which if you don't know anything about the scoring system in gymnastics... Um, for the longest time, it used to just be a 10-point scale. Mm-hmm. And then they changed it because the problem with the 10-point scale is one athlete could be doing a significantly more difficult move and still lose because they weren't doing the difficult move as well as someone doing a more simple move. Right. So now you have a difficulty score and then your 10-point execution score, and they're added together. Mm-hmm. Which makes it more complicated to follow, but is much better in the long run. So they work on getting her to do these more complicated moves. They work on being more consistent. They work on her mental game. I think she starts meeting regularly with a psychologist to kind of get her mind in the right um, spot. Awesome. But this also means she needs to spend more time in the gym. And that means she would have to be homeschooled. Oof. She's just about to go into high school. Um, she, they had to pull her from her public school for a couple years because her family moved and they were farther away from the gym. Mm. And so in order to make sure she could do both, they had put her in a private school right across the street from the gym. So she hadn't been in school with her close friends for a couple years. Right. She's really looking forward to being back with them. She also, as everyone does, had dreams of going to football games and homecoming mm-hmm. and prom And she had to make the decision of if she wanted to continue her elite career or if she wanted to go to high school. Oh, I could not imagine. Knowing what we know now, like, obviously, how could that be a difficult decision? But when you don't know, and when your last experience was not even making the team, like... Right. Right. Absolutely heartbreaking. She, She has a very, very hard time with that decision, but obviously, in the end, decides homeschooling is worth it. So, she does homeschooling, and she's now in the gym for at least about 35 hours a week. Wow. Yeah. as a Like a full-time job. Yeah, as a, like, 14-year-old. 14, 15-year-old. Oh, 15 my year old. gosh. Wow. Yeah. So, she's cranking up her practice time. She is getting older she's kind of hitting that one of the sweet spots in gymnastics now where Mm -hmm. like the body just works i don't word (laughs) um 
2012. Uh, by May in 2012, she had already won two all-around first place medals and one third all-around. Wow. Um, the American classics come around. This is her chance to prove herself again to Marta Caroli. I think it's in her hometown. She ends up taking first in the all-around and first place on vault by crushing the Aminar. Nice! So, this brings us to the 2012 Junior Elite Nationals. She ends up third place, all-around champion. She is the vault champion. She actually came in first place at every competition that year with her Aminar vault. Wow. And they go to call the team. This year, Marta only puts six girls on the USA Gymnastics Juniors team. Simone is one of them. Yeah! It ended up being five um, girls that were on it the year before, and then Simone as the only newbie. Awesome. So in 2013, she's officially on the team. She gets to go as one of two girls to compete in the American Cup. Um, her performance is a little rough. She's very nervous because it's a huge deal, um, but she still manages to come in second. She also goes with the team to compete in Italy and wins all-around gold, first place in vault, first place in beam, first place in floor. Whoa. She then competes in Germany. She gets an all-around silver, first on vault, first on beam, first on floor. Oh my gosh. So now she comes back and she is officially 16, which means she can officially compete as a senior elite gymnast. Her coaches start throwing around the, the idea that, like, maybe she can make it to Worlds this year. And she's kind of like, la la, that'd be great, but, like, maybe if I'm lucky I can be an alternate. Like, I don't right. think in my wildest dreams I could actually make the team. Spoiler alert, we all know where this goes. Yeah, I'm going to guess she does. So, 2013. Uh, there's a meet called the U.S. Secret Classic. It's a very, very rough meet for her, which is oh. hard because she just came back from winning all of these big meets in Europe. But she falls on bars on a simple move that she hasn't fallen on for years. Oh, damn you bars. This oh. rattles her a little bit. And on her next apparatus of beam, she doesn't make any of her connections and she wobbles a lot, which is also a deduction on her floor routine which is next she doesn't get enough power on one of her tumbling passes and she lands short mm. she ends up on her knees instead of her feet Ooh. she also crunches her ankle <gasps> but she is determined to finish this competition and acts like she's not injured however her coach not an idiot and can see that she is limping so she and her coach argue about whether or not she will be doing the vault but in the end her coach pulls her from the meet because she knows that she is not mentally or physically all there and it's not worth competing oh. so she, she ends up leaving the stadium basically in tears yeah she doesn't even finish the meet so um then she competes at nationals. This is her first nationals as a senior elite. The competition is st 
stacked with talented gymnasts. Um, Kyla Ross is there competing, Maggie Nichols, Michaela Skinner. Super intimidating. She's also obviously dealing with what just happened at the U.S. Secret Classic. Mm-hmm. She is probably doubting herself. Um, I watched part of this meet recently, and like, it's about all the um, commentators could talk about how like they don't know what happened and they don't know that she's actually as good as we thought she was because of that horrible meet she has so there's all this pressure (sighs) but she wins (gasps) no way she ends up she ends up winning the all-around title she beats kyla ross by 0.2 points she also gets silver on vault bars beam and floor she also shocker makes the u.s team to compete at Worlds. Nice! So, 2013 Worlds. It's her first world competition, and it's a pretty big one because there are some pretty big names there. No one expects an American to win the individual all-around title. Um, There are some huge Russian greats there. Uh, Komova and Mustafina are both there. They, one of them is expected to take the title. Um, And if one of them doesn't, everyone expects Kyla Ross. Mm-hmm. to take the all-around title. Uh, Simone Biles doesn't even expect to be on the podium. She's basically like, I'm just there for the experience and to have a good time. Yeah. Lol, 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 she fucking wins. By .884 points, which is in That's gymnastics odds. Yes. She wins all-around, floor, silver on vault, bronze on beam. She becomes the first African-American all-around world champion awesome yeah i do want to mention olympics and worlds are different so gabby douglas did win the all-around olympics the -hmm. year before but doesn't count as a world competition okay simone first all-around world competition um which of course doesn't come without issue because of course not people are petty and jealous another gymnast said Maybe if we all painted our skin black, we would all win. And this quote got as much or more news coverage than Simone's actual win. What? Yeah. That is awful. Yeah. Uh, uh, duh. Yeah. But, oh my gosh. Yeah. Upsetting on many <sighs> levels. Um, but we'll move forward. Great transition. Carissa, great job. Well, that's what she said. You I mean, have to move you're not forward. wrong. So yeah. let's move forward like so let's Simone forward Biles Sim- would want us to do. Exactly. What would Simone Biles do? Move forward to 2014. So, 2014, she is now dealing with the pressure of being reigning world champion, right? Everyone mm-hmm. expects her to win. Yep. But can she do it again? Who knows? She also gets a pretty bad shoulder injury this year and she ends up being in rehab and out of competitions for 10 months whoa but she still makes the world team still ends up going to 2014 worlds and wins again oh my gosh so 2015 rolls around she is finally starting to see her potential and greatness as a gymnast lol yeah, finally. It's about time, I know. Simone. She, again, has this immense pressure. Now, she's not only a one-time champion, she's a two-time champion. Also, no women gymnast has ever won three consecutive world all-around titles. Can she get a three-peat? 
Never. On top of this, 2015 is the year before the next Olympics. Mm-hmm. So she has the added pressure of trying to start establishing herself as an Olympic contender. You have to be better than you've ever been. You have to be consistent. You have to prove yourself against the current seniors as well as the juniors that will be seniors next year. Because those are usually, that's about the time you peak. Right. That's usually the best. The as best as the if best. winning two Worlds competitions wasn't enough to prove herself she still has to think about how she is going to stand out from the crowd exactly wow and as if that wasn't enough two olympic medalists from the 2012 olympics are out of retirement and competing again gabby douglas 2012 all-around champion Mm -hmm. and ali raisman (gasps) are back that's right i forgot they took some time off yep oh boy Oh, boy. Yeah. So she herself is not even sure she will be able to make the world's team. Shocker. She does. Right. So 2015 Worlds, she's trying to get her third gold. But she has a couple pretty big errors. She has too much energy on one of her vaults, and she has a pretty big hop on the landing, which is a big deduction. Mm Mm-hmm. She has a pretty big wobble on beam and ends up grabbing the beam, which, depending on how you grab the beam, can be as bad of a deduction as falling off, Mm. Um, which I think is a full point. I think grabbing the beam can be a half point. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, So at this point, she's pretty sure she's lost her title, but she's still going to go out and give it the best that she can that's who she is right if you're gonna lose at least lose with dignity right right so she goes out on the floor and she gives a kick-ass routine but she gets a little too excited and does end out does end up going out of bounds oh but she still manages to win by just over one whole point how? That is how incredible. It's her um, difficulty. Degree of difficulty scores wow. are so much higher that oh she my was. God. I was like, able- was everyone just that bad? Right? No. She no, was just that good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's funny. She, one, didn't believe that she had won when they're announcing it. She's right. like, why is everyone so excited? And they're like, you won. And she's like, yeah, after I won my third all around, it was finally starting to hit me that I had actually won my first Worlds in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that sounds like something I would do. Same. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So that brings us to 2016. Olympic years. She is 19 years old. Growing up, she re- she and her mother refused to talk about what they called the O word because the odds of you going there. I think I saw a stat. There are like 70,000 female gymnasts in the United States. In 2016, five of them get to go to the Olympics. Oh, my gosh. On top of that, 19 is not an ideal age for going yeah. to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, you really wanna you really wanna be able to get there when you're 15, 16. Um, by the time you're 19, the odds of you being injured and taking you out completely go up higher. Mm-hmm. Um, many gymnasts have already peaked by that time or lost motivation and just don't yep. care. 
She had written in her journal at age 11, I don't know if I will make it, but I want to go the farthest I can. And she makes it. So she does! Spoiler alert! She makes the Olympic team. She is on the final five. She competes in Rio. She comes away with five medals. She wins the gold team all around with her team, the gold individual all around, which she wins by 2.1 points. That margin of victory is larger than the margins of victory from the previous eight Olympics combined. Whoa. Yeah. Her teammates joked about how everyone was competing for silver. Like, silver was basically the gold for them because they knew she was basically untouchable. She also gets gold on vault, gold on floor, bronze on beam. After her success, Team USA voted to have her carry the American flag Mm. in the closing ceremony, which is, like, the highest honor at her very first Olympics. Ugh, she's incredible. Since her first win in 2013, she hasn't lost a single all-around competition that she's entered. She has 10 World Championship gold medals, the most won by a female gymnast in history. She is the most decorated World Championship American gymnast with 14 medals, 10 gold, 2 silver, 2 bronze. She has won 25 world medals so far, 19 gold, 3 silver, 3 bronze, which is the most in gymnastics history both in gold medals and overall medals. She is the first woman to win three, four, and five world all-around titles, the most decorated U.S. women's gymnast ever with 30 world and Olympic medals, and I believe she is the most decorated gymnast in world championship history today. She has been dubbed, rightfully so, the most talented gymnast of all time and the greatest gymnast to have ever lived not just female, ever. but ever. Wow. Yeah. She currently has four moves named after her, which you get a move named after you when you perform it in international competition, when you're the first to perform it in right. international competition. She has currently done that four times. Would not be surprised if that happens more. Oh my gosh. And not only is she an incredible athlete, but she is an incredible justice warrior. Um, and she uses her fame and following as a platform to speak up against social injustices in the world, which we yes. fucking love. Um, she is very smart with her use of social media. Uh, she has always seen it as an opportunity to be honest. Her coach would sometimes be like, hey, um, maybe you shouldn't post that, Simone. And Simone would snap back and be like, this is real life. This yeah. is what's happening. She was the first gymnast to ever put a picture of food on Instagram. Which Whoa. sounds weird and stupid, but... Yeah. Yep. I thought that's all people used Instagram for. I know, right? And Well, selfies. Oh, well, uh, clearly. Food Sorry, selfies. I don't. I don't take selfies, so I completely forget that that whole part of the internet exists. Fair, 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 um, fair, fair. Wow. Yeah. She posted a picture of, I think it was like a giant breakfast, I think. Um, She was the first to show pictures of herself out in social situations, which was a big deal because there's this belief that gymnasts are either working in the gym or recovering at home. Mm -hmm. She's like, nope, we can have lives too. She was the first to have a boyfriend in public 
and post about it on social media. Nice. And many of these things in the past would have gotten people kicked out or gotten their social media, like, taken away from USA Gymnastics. And what are they going to do? Kick her off? Like, get rid of, like, the best gymnast ever because she posted a selfie? I know. Like, come on, USA Gymnastics. And it's this aspect that she is being so real on social media that gives her social justice post a bigger impact. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because they know how real she is. Um, she, unfortunately, was one of the Larry Nasser victims. Um, if you don't know about the Larry Nasser, I don't know what you would call it. Situation. Um, situation. Bullshit. I was just going to say that. Um Long story short, Larry Nasser was a physician, I believe, like, the head physician uh, for the United States gymnastics um, for, like, decades mm-hmm. or something. And he was sexually assaulting and abusing these young gymnasts essentially the whole time he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and his the story finally broke around the time of the 2016 Olympics. Yep. Um, and she was one of his victims and she is, um, she doesn't talk specifically about what happened to her, but she is open and talking about the fact that she was a victim and she talks about how she struggled with feeling like she was a victim because, um, a lot of the other girls were abused worse, I guess, than she was. And mm-hmm. so she kind of felt, we, I think we had this conversation when we talked about the Me Too movement, she felt like it didn't count right? for a while. She also yeah. talks about struggling with, um, she's like, as the all-around champion, you're seen as America's sweetheart, and you're supposed to be perfect, and like, you can't yeah. be perfect if this happens to you. So she talks about all of these things that so many sexual assault survivors go through, and then realizing that those aren't true. She -hmm. talks about going to therapy and how therapy helped her. She talks about her depression. She's, she lets people know that these are real experiences and it's okay to feel the way you're feeling. Um, her me too tweet talks a little bit about her experience and led to a handful of gymnasts who were previously silent to speak up and tell their story. Some like very prominent gymnasts that had been asked multiple times and they didn't say anything. And then she came forward and I think she even says like I'm not doing this for myself I'm doing this so that other people know it's okay Mm -hmm. to say these things and other people spoke up as well she's also currently the only outspoken gymnast still engaging in elite gymnastics which is huge having a voice from within the sport is huge and challenging for her she'll talk about that too how it's difficult to still be within the organization that didn't keep you safe right oh understandably difficult yeah um and she i'll talk about that a tiny bit more in a second but um she is famous for having what they called the tweet that closed the ranch um after the whole larry nassel jesus christ after the whole larry nasser situation um the Caroli Ranch remained open. That's where a lot of the assault and abuse took place. Mm-hmm. Um, and many people had tweeted or written about closing the ranch, but they weren't doing it. They just kept saying, like, oh, we're we're looking out for the girls. We're making sure this isn't going to happen again. We're working on it. Pretty much. So she has a tweet that says, 
It breaks my heart even more to think that as I work towards my dream of competing in Tokyo 2020, I will have to continually return to the same training facility where I was abused. Three days later, USA Gymnastics closed the ranch and severed ties with the Carolis. Good for her. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. And oh it doesn't gosh. end there. Um, they, I can't remember the piece of shit's name that used to run USA Gymnastics, and honestly, I don't care. Oh, yeah. Um, but he gets replaced by a man named Carrie Perry, which when I was first reading about it, I read as Katy Perry, and I was very confused. <laughs> so Carrie Perry, new head of USA Gymnastics, Simone expresses her dismay that Carrie had done little to assure gymnasts that the organization was fixing its problems. It was basically just like pretty words and empty promises. Yeah. Short, shortly after her tweet, he held a press conference and resigned. Whoa. His replacement, Mary Bono, 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 don't care, had a tweet that objected to Nike's support of Colin Kaepernick. Files expressed her disapproval in a tweet and Mary resigned. Whoa. Yeah. Um, so she is not afraid to stand her ground and speak up. And she knows her power and is willing to use it for the betterment of everyone in that community. I was just going to say, she is a power gymnast on multiple levels. Yes. Yes. Uh, she also is very deliberate about her sponsorships and endorsements. I'll just try to touch on these super quick, but, um, she supports Mattress Firm because the company donates mattresses, pajamas, and bedtime books to foster kids. Oh, Right? And then one of her biggest campaigns at the moment, um, she's a part of this beauty is hashtag no competition campaign. It focuses on... Beauty as competition inside of athletics, which we talked about a lot mm. with the objectification of women mm -hmm. um, in sports episode, um, but also outside of sports, uh, she's shocker defa <laughs> defaced. She has shocker faced many demeaning and repulsive attacks about her looks, mm -hmm. her body, her hair, um, that meat that she ended up pulling out of. Um, when she was leaving, she overheard a coach telling someone else. Um, that of course she crashed because she was too fat. This is a direct quote from that person. Maybe if she didn't look like she swallowed a deer, she wouldn't have fallen. What? Yes. Which also, let's point out that Simone Biles is like 10,000% muscle. So she's heard that from coaches. She, not her coaches, but other coaches, other gymnasts, um, internet trolls. We also talked yeah. about that in that sports. Um, she says, people often focus on how big my legs were, her mm -hmm. legs and her calves, how they looked in, how she looks in swimwear, regular pants, like literally everything. Someone is telling her she looks horrible. Mm -hmm. um, but she says, they would focus on how big my legs were, but God made me this way. And I feel like if I didn't have these legs or these calves, I wouldn't be able to tumble as high as I can or have all of these moves named after me. Absolutely. So she's like, fuck you and your shitty opinions. My body does incredible things, and I don't care what you think. And so How many is... moves have you had named after you, sir? Dirk. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think there's a move out there called the pretentious asshole. Oh! So, super quick update on where she is now. She is 23. Um, she was obviously set to compete in the 2020 Olympics, which... 
Screw Rona were postponed. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually wasn't sure she was going to compete in 2021 because Aww. she's going to be 24 and in gymnastics as you get older as we know your bodies are changing yes there's also a huge science to making sure uh, there's a huge science to your training mm-hmm. to make sure that you are peaking right at the time of your competition right. so now she has to completely reevaluate everything start over figure it all out it's a huge deal you're also dealing with they couldn't be in the gym for a while. Right. And then, like, could she even get back to where she was? Plus, she wasn't sure she could handle being within the USA Gymnastics system mm-hmm. for one more year. Yeah, fair. Totally, totally understandable. Yeah. Um, But she has decided she's planning to compete in 2021. So. What do you I, for one, am looking forward to seeing what she does. Yes. Um, she also is planning to hold a Gold Over America gymnasts tour after the Olympics. I think typically after the Olympics, um, USA Gymnastics will do some sort of tour. Mm-hmm. But they can't because they are currently in the middle of multiple lawsuits. And uh, shocker, because of these lawsuits, because they were all sacks of shit, they have gone bankrupt. So they cannot do it. Oh, and Simone, darn, right? Sucks to suck, guys. And Simone basically went, you know what? I know how famous I am. I know what pole I have. I'm going to do it myself. So she is planning it herself. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. And she knows how much that inspires, like, the next generation of gymnasts. So she wants to keep that going. When she went into the 2016 Olympics, she was often asked, are you the next Usain Bolt? Are you the next Michael Phelps? Are you the next whatever? And she says, I'm not the next Usain Bolt or Michael Phelps. I am the first Simone Biles. That that gave me shivers. Like, I have goosebumps now. Ho, yeah. ho, ho. Love it. So she's a badass. I know this was a long-ish segment, um, but there's so much more that I, like, didn't get to tell you. She has... She was on the cover of Vogue, and the Vogue article is very good. I encourage you to read it. Um, she has a couple of really good like ESPN interviews and articles. You also get to hear about like what her coaches have to mm-hmm. say. What her mom, her mom is an absolute flipping gem. She's incredible. Um, you get to hear what she says. What her like fellow um, gymnasts think about her. It's a really cool perspective. She also wrote a book. Um, which I'm about halfway through. So that gives you some really cool insight to check them out. Yeah. Yeah. That's Simone Biles. That's awesome. I have no transition, guys. I know. Are you Are you shocked? No. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth My- Bader Ginsburg. My house ghost seems to be uh, chanting for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, so that must we mean... We want a quote. It's time for Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote of the week. Is it? I did not know. We do this every week. Did you know that? Let's do it again. She says, You can imagine how exhilarating it was for me when the women's movement came alive in the late 60s, and it became possible to do something about all that. Before then, you were talking to the wind... When you think of the truly great and brave ladies, Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, 
Those were women who didn't have a wave to ride. We did. We came at a time when society finally was willing to listen. Love it. Love it. Listen to women. (sighs) Get out and vote and ride the blue wave. Right? Blue? Yes. I always second guess myself on the color. I'm like, oh no, did I say that right? Um, Did you know that uh, Democrats are evil? What? Yeah, I learned that on my Facebook this week. (gasps) My, My uncle said, so... Well, I guess I'm evil. Same. Do you know you know what your your uncle should do? Go to our Facebook page. <gasps> yeah, what is he going to... He's Look not going to like what he sees there. Look at but that transition. You guys might. Yeah, you might. Uh, and while you're on Facebook, I mean, it's a natural transition to check Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So... You, you might as well. You might as well check all three. We are USAB Podcast on all three platforms. You can just control C, control V, that bad boy, into all those and find us and give us a little follower like skis. What a very, very efficient millennial. I am all for efficiency. Tactic. Same. Yeah. Same. All about them quick keys. Yeah. And maybe you're not an efficient millennial like us. That's totally fine. You do you, boo. Maybe you're not even a millennial and you prefer prefer things like, I don't know, like email? <gasps> email? We have one of those? Do we? We do. You can email us at usabpodcast at gmail.com. While you're poking around on the interwebs, checking out our social media or our email you can also check out our website. We've got links to listen to all of our episodes. We've got a little bit of information. If we have any cool links or things that we talk about in our episodes, we post those links on our webpage as well. So check it out. What What is our website? I don't know. You're just going to have to Google it and figure it out. Just kidding. It's <laughs> usabpodcast.com. You scared me for a second there. I was like, what? No, we tell them. We tell them what it is. No, I've secretly cut that out of every single episode. What? What? (sighs) Well, then I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to all of the episodes. Uh, And I can do that on a bunch of different platforms because we have this podcast hosted on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and on our website and... So feel free to check us out on all of those platforms or just yeah. one of them. You can pick your what favorite a question. one. What are yeah. you going to do after you listen well, to all of our episodes? Obviously, I'm going to give us a five-star rating because <gasps> I love us and yes. know how much we love validation. It's <laughs> so, a lot. Do we talk about it a lot? We I talk think about we do. It a lot. We talk about it a lot. And I apologize, but I also kind of don't apologize. It's not just for us. It also helps other people who may be interested in this type of podcast to find us. Yes, absolutely. So So as much as we joke about, like, validation, that's not the only reason that we ask you to give us a five-star rating or leave us a review. Exactly. We're self-centered, but not that self-centered. Yes, accurate. It's it's all part of the podcast algorithm that we're (laughs) just trying to dip our toes into right now. I'm sure. When you listened to this episode or any of the other episodes, you heard our incredible intro music. It is Bitch, Bitch, Bitch by Glove Compartment, edited by moi. (sighs) Guys, 
I'm sad this episode has come to an end. I wish I could talk to you forever, but you probably don't want that. So Kendra and I are going to call it a day. We're going to head out and hit the road. But before we do, we just have to tell you one very important thing. Oh, what guys, is that? Guys, listen, you can call us bitches if you want. But bitches get shit done. I like to bitch, 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 bitch.